You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, good to be back. All right, David Hall. I think I want to ask the wizard for some better luck. Kansas. Hey, Greg Hectus. And Pony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey. And welcome back, Evan Pasoko. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, tonight we're going to review the poke race uh, with Evan, of course, and talk all the iRacing news of this week and look at all the hardware stories going on. I'll tell you about my new wheel as well. Settle in for the lounge. And, and remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll be discussing by visiting irishslounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaked and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough, and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Right, let's talk Coke racing at Kansas. Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming back. But before the race, we heard Kyle Pedal was the DNS. Uh, I'm not sure why. Brian Mercurio uh, missed the start. Not sure why there uh, and, and rolled off from Pitt Road. But up front, it was Mitchell DeJong and Logan Clampett to start us off. And this kind of took me back to last year um, with Mitchell DeYoung being on the front row, right? I mean, we, we talked about it all through last season. Uh, had he, you know, six pole positions in 18 weeks. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to say that Mitchell uh, has been quiet per se um, this season, but, uh, you know, certainly hasn't, um, you know, had that, that incredible speed that he had last year, right? He's, he's kind of hanging around, uh, just below the playoff bump. And, uh, I think it was a big step in the right direction for him. And of course, no shock that Logan Clampett was up there. Um, which again, funny enough, um, he has had an awful year results wise, but has had fast cars. Um, so, you know, we're seeing him up front and thinking, Hey, maybe he's going to be able to turn this around and get uh, a good points night behind him. And early on, it was uh, fairly clean, uh, by lap seven, the biggest movers so far were Malik Ray and Vicente Salas. Um, both were up seven spots from where they started, but then we had caution. It was Dylan all and others. They all crashed on lap 13 for the first time. 
And this is, you know, we're thinking, you know, what's going to happen in this race, right? I posed the question to Blake earlier. Uh, this isn't a racetrack that historically, aside from the very first race back in 2013, has a lot of yellows. Um, we're expecting this race to go green, but I think overall caution counts have been up with this next-gen car. Um, so, you know, this, this didn't shock us necessarily uh but with the race distance being 100 laps this did kind of make uh, for some interesting strategy um because we had pit stops under the yellow yeah so mitchell uh leads everyone except bobby Zelinsky and matt busa on the pit road um was kind of surprised by that pretty early uh but then once they get back going it was trouble again it was briar laprad gets out of shape and others shoot onto the apron but it was no caution in this situation they kept going, but it wasn't too long after. It was a caution. It's Mike Conti. He gets turned. He's up in the wall on lap 18. Uh, started with Keegan Leahy breaking loose. And boy, we documented Keegan all throughout the race uh, really having trouble. Hey, he was fighting it all night, and admittedly, he wasn't on his own. Um, these drivers were really wrestling these race cars. Uh, uh, they were getting loose. It was really hot. It was really slick. Um, you know, the the surface at Kansas as well has always been a bit of a slippier one as well. So uh, we saw a lot of that. Uh, and it wasn't even in one spot of the racetrack, right? It wasn't just on exit. It wasn't just on entry. wasn't just center. Um, all night, everybody was struggling. Really, when you got any sort of laps on the tires, and you mentioned talking about Keegan, uh, kind of a pro and a con for him is the reason we were talking about him is because he had a fast race car. Obviously, the negative side of that is the fact that he couldn't keep that fast race car under him after he started up in third. Yeah, and you guys take a moment to mention and show uh, what's going on at the Charlotte Phoenix uh, facility where uh, four different Coke drivers are there running uh, in front of an audience. And it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic because uh, we had a lot of cheering and, and jeering and booing and stuff. And I think even Anthony Alfredo, who was spotting one of them, said, like, I could hear it through the headset. Yeah, that's a yeah. I was asking Blake about that too, right? Um, you know how that throws you off, and you know not to go on a, a tangent, but there's kind of two halves of this, right? The first half is, you know, does it mess up a driver's routine, right? Um, I think Briar brought his whole rig, so he was on his triple monitors, his PC, his keyboard, his wheel, right, trying to make it feel as close to being at home as possible. And then I know that the uh, Charlotte Phoenix guys had rigs brought in by the folks over at Next Level Racing who were on their cars um, this past Tuesday in the race. But I think it doesn't matter if you're on your rig, somebody else's rig, it's got to feel weird, right? I mean, I mean, you don't have your pre-race routine. You don't just get to sit in the room on your own and be quiet. Uh, you know, I think, it, I think it definitely played some factor in comfortability. Um, but as you mentioned, the broadcast is playing in the room. Um, you know, the Phoenix cars were doing real good. So they were up front a lot early. So people, I'm sure, were making noise in the crowd, right? Uh, I just... I got to think that must have been a weird experience. But then my second point would be, I think we need to do that more often, right? I think that this uh, NASCAR championship four format that we use lends it uh, us an opportunity to to do something like this for a finale, right? Um, if you're just doing an old school points format, you got 10 cars in it at the last race, you can't fly them all out, right? You don't know who's going to be there. But I think with a four car championship, this event is the direction that this series needs to go in to continue to grow. So uh, my hats are off to everybody at the Carolina Esports Hub and the Charlotte Phoenix because it looked like a really cool event.
Yeah, it looks like a blast to, to, to be there. So let's uh, check out what happened. Restart lap 23. Steven Wilson, Bobby Zielinski, they lead that field on that restart. And by lap 27, new leader Graham Bolin, who was mixing it up for the win all night, uh, he was there at the Carolina Esports Hub. And, of course, they erupt with cheers as Graham takes the lead. Um, but a little bit after that, try as he might, Ray Alfala just can't hang on to what looked like an absolutely evil-looking car out of turn two and caution. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you got, you know, your your second, third cautions in the opening 30 laps of this race, and you're thinking, uh, you know, people are hand struggling with handling. Uh, is this thing going to get into a system? I mean, I think it's noteworthy as well that the two guys we've talked about having handling issues and really fighting the cars have been both Leahy and Alfala, right? Two of the best drivers in the series who, who can't handle these things the way they were driving. So I think that uh, just kind of speaks to the challenge uh, that all 39 guys were going through and they all pitted graham run, uh, won the race off pit road with stephen wilson as they restart um at this point after they get going we started to hear about the william esports guys uh, and how they got to visit the f1 team at the miami race and i just want to take a moment and say wow what a cool opportunity or a perk of uh you know, being with, with the Williams of all teams, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, next time that the, the draft comes around or, or whatever, where they're trying to pick teams or figure out what teams to go to, this might be in the back of everyone's mind. I think I was uh, joking with Blake in the booth before we went on air um, that I'm going to sign with Williams instead of iRacing next year so I can go to the Miami Grand Prix. I know there's the, the F1 race in Vegas coming up as well, right? Uh, no, that's just super cool. Um, you know, we've seen people get involved in this in the past. We saw the, the Rise Esports and Richard Raceway Group get some of their guys into some real-life cars. Um, you know, I know that we've seen, uh, obviously, any time a driver's able to go to an NASCAR race, if you're with Roush, right you're hanging out in the roush pit but uh, i will say getting to an f1 race is super cool so uh was was really excited that those two guys got to go check it out and uh, it, you know we were beating up on them in countdown to green with the come on man segment because they were taking each other out so if there were any qualms in the team i think hanging out in the f1 paddock um could certainly settle that so yeah i i'm, I'm jealous of the drivers who were able to do that kind of stuff that seemed like a super cool opportunity um and you know i think a lot of the time maybe it's our north american bias uh we talk a lot about the roushes and a lot about the gibbs and a lot about you know the junior motorsports right in this series i don't think that williams always gets as much attention as maybe they deserve for, especially for how involved they are in other segments of the sim racing space as well but uh in case you forgot how important Williams at Williams Esports is. That was a good reminder. So super cool to see those guys got to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point of the race, uh, Wilson actually gets the lead. Man, he's looking good this year. And then Casey Kerwin is right there as well in second, and Graham Bolin uh, falls to third. Uh, Stephen Wilson said, quote, I can read him like a book, uh, referring to the driver behind him. Um, and this is at 37 to go. Um, Shortly after 29 to go, caution, it's a spin for Strauss. Donovan gets a little help around from the front bumper of Matt Busa, and we have pit stops once more. 
and that kind of resets everything, right? Because we were, um, you know, watching the battle for the race we had to play, race win play out. You got Steven Wilson up in the mix as well. Obviously, you talk about how how good he's been all year. No shock there at all. But this stirs everything to back up because, you know, 95% of the field agreed that we needed to come down pit road. But not everybody agreed on what we were going to do, right? A couple of drivers stayed out. Other drivers took two. Others took four. Uh, and it really gave us a lot of fascinating things to look for as we went into the final 30 yeah as you said differing strategies so on the restart with 24 to go it was Corey vincent malik ray leading the field into turn one but not long after caution it's bobby zelinski with a hard hard hit into the wall uh, logan clampett is involved as well at 23 to go even stephen wilson got a, some damage in that one it's it's bad luck for stephen wilson right uh who is who is doing so good uh you know, to that point in a competitive spot, uh, you know, didn't take him all the way out of it, but hurt the race car. Uh, you talk about Bobby Zelensky. He led a couple of laps. I mean, there was a lot of guys who had those moments, right? I mean, uh, even, uh, you know, you got Salish, you had Lyon, you had Zelensky, you had Wilson, you had a lot of those guys who some of them earlier in the race, certainly, um, you know, were able to be up front, have an opportunity to lead. And then that's what you get. You know, anytime you get a yellow inside of the final 30, that kind of age old adage of just avoid the middle isn't really that uh, foolproof anymore because the wrecks are going to happen closer and closer to the front. And, you know, guys just pushing a little bit too hard. Zelensky gets into it and, uh, you know, Clampett got a big piece of it. I, I mentioned Clampett earlier, right, um, for how bad his season has been. Started second, would finish 31st after this contact. If you think that number 31 is bad, um, you know, when you look for Clampett uh, in the championship, uh, he finds himself, uh, you know, of course, with that win helping him. Um, but, you know, uh, or I should say from last year, you know, Logan Clampett had the win. Uh, he was in a really good position. But this year, uh, 35 in the points coming into tonight. So he has fast cars. And Clampett just can not catch a break, and he maybe, maybe he needs a win uh, from what he had last year. Because uh, you know when you look at what his teammate Nick Ottinger's doing, those are the same race cars, right? Those are two super talented guys. I don't think Logan Clampett uh, can buy luck at this point. At this point of the race, I can smell the desperation from Graham Bolin. I mean, he's been knocking on the door. This is his best chance to get this his oval win, and. And so he was just on it. And so I thought it was his race to have. But at the restart, 19 to go, it was DeYoung, Vincent, Bolin, Keister, Kerwin, Lowe, Mains, Guest, Wilson, Bordeaux, Salas, and Olat, Femi Olat. Uh, for the restart, uh, Vincent was slow on the older tires, fading on the outside lane. They all stacked up. Uh, Bolin was going for the lead, but they wreck it farther back, but no caution. And they keep going. At 16 to go, it was Bolin and Kerwin. They get by DeYoung. And DeYoung slides out there. The drivers who, you know, have those fresh tires are able to go up for the race lead. I think we got lucky uh, that there was no caution. I think it might have been Nathan. Um, I'm trying to think who was on the, uh, the radio there. I don't know if it was one of the, um, the Jim Beaver cars that was yelling, uh, but somebody wasn't happy that there wasn't a yellow uh, screaming, give me the caution. Where's the caution, obviously, because the cars that weren't destroyed but just spun or checked up to avoid getting into the incident, right, lost a ton of time. So that really shuffled out some of the complexion of the midfield, uh, but then it sets us up for a good battle going for the race win. 
Yeah, we had four laps racing side by side for the lead here. Bolin was trying super hard, pinching down uh, anything he could do to hold on to it. Uh, but Garrett Lowe was coming. I mean, you could see him making up ground, getting into the corner, um, and it was now into the mix. Um, so nine to go. Lowe actually takes it three wide, and this was for the win. Uh, he had a run, and he and he kind of shoved it in there in the middle uh, between Kerwin and Bolin, uh, but it collides with Graham, and and Graham goes hard to the wall. Kerwin gets knocked clear, but he actually saves the car. Um, so it's near the end of the race. It was for the lead. Bolin should have known Lowe was coming, but w it would have taken, you know, but it looks like it was a spotter issue. Like maybe Graham didn't know he was there. Um, I don't know. Blake McCandless on the broadcast, he, he basically summed it up as a racing incident. Yeah, you know, you're going to have that late in these races, right? I think that it's easy to to slow it down, to nitpick it, to to look at it five, six, seven, eight times. Uh, at the end of the day, it's guys battling hard for the race win, right? Um, you know, there was as well so many guys getting runs, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, trying to block, and it just happens. And I think that the positive you need to take away from this is the fact that uh, – the, the the way that these cars are lets us race like this um but yeah i think it was just it was just a little bit of unfortunate timing garrett trying to go to the middle uh casey yielded the spot and then you know i, I don't really think bolin is 100 percent at fault because he came down a little bit but i also don't think garrett's 100 percent at fault right because he also came up but he's going to the middle i think it's just a race and deal it also happened at the very end of the back straightaway where they're turning into the corner so everyone's kind of moving around in their lines anyways and uh, just a rotten deal for the 48 because obviously Bolin's going to get the worst of that one. And, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping we'd see a Charlotte Phoenix car win just so we could cut live to a reaction of everyone going crazy at the watch party, right? That would have been cool to see. But uh, just a tough break. And, uh, you know, Graham Bolin, somebody who has, has really improved over the years, um, has another good chance to go for the race win, leads 23 laps in this one, wrecks out, and he would go on to finish outside of the top 30. I think, you know, when you look at the short video of this, of the incident, you would say, yeah, that's on Garrett probably. But when I went back after the race and looked at the, the clip, I wanted to see the replay. You know, if you watch it from the uh, two minutes before up until that point, these guys were dicing it up. They were one, two, three, and they were, they were switching spots. They were going high to low, low to high. And this was just another one of those moves. And so if you take it into context, it absolutely wasn't a racing incident. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you have to take the totality of it, right? You can slow it down from a half a second to before, and you can say, this guy moved two feet this way, this guy moved two feet that way. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, it's just a race deal, right? You got to take the situation into it. Everyone's fighting for a race, race win. Everybody's fighting for an opportunity to lock themselves into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a raw deal. Um, that we weren't able to watch that, you know, for the next 10 laps to the end of the race, uh, because I think those three guys would have put on a show as it was set up. Um, not that it took any excitement away from us, generally speaking, but, you know, just a tough break for Bolin. And I'm gutted for him. He was uh, the car to beat, I think. Besides Garrett, I mean, we, we saw Garrett coming early in the race. I don't think we mentioned it, but he was coming up the middle a few times and doing some clever stuff. Uh, to get up there. So uh, kudos to him. So restart five to go. It was Garrett Lowe, Casey Kerwin. Uh, he was able to hold his position, uh, even though he had a, a slight damage. Uh, they had the restart, but Lowe breaks away a bit on the restart, and it's Femi Olap fighting for second, and he gets by Kerwin. 
Now three to go. Kerwin tries to push Femi up to the fight for the lead, but at this point, Lowe has a, a good 10-car uh, length lead and checkered flag. It's the first time since 2019 that he has won, um, as you pointed out. And uh, and so uh, congratulations to Garrett. Yeah, super cool to see Garrett take home the checkered flag. Um, it was a really, really popular win, I will say, amongst the drivers, right? Um, I mean, anytime somebody gets a win, uh, you got people congratulating him, especially if you're talking about a guy who's getting his first win in some three seasons, right? But, I mean, there were people screaming and, and cheering in the driver chat, uh, rooting on Garrett. So I think that's super cool um, to see that kind of support and the camaraderie. And uh, that's big for him as well, right? I mean, we talk about what these wins are going to do for people. Garrett Lowe, uh, as I mentioned as well, talking about the win was a bubble guy. He came into that race as the driver on the relegation bubble. And I know we haven't talked a ton about that yet this year, but now that we're halfway through the regular season, I think we're going to be talking about it more and more. But he came into tonight one spot away from being out of this series for next year, right? Huge win for him. Gets him the win to put him up to the top of the playoff standings. You get into the championship conversation. Gets him further from the relegation bubble as well. So uh, I think that may be the biggest win uh, that we've seen out of anybody so far this year, just by how much it means to him uh, in the points. Well, you know, and we saw him on the camera as he came across the checkered flag, and it, it didn't seem like he, he was totally motionless. He, he wasn't, like, pumped. He didn't pump his fist. And... Not even a smile, uh, I think, broke his uh, concentration there. I don't know. I, I kind of got the impression he was upset with how it went down with that wreck earlier. Or I don't know, but overwhelmed maybe since he hasn't won since 2019. You know, maybe all of the above. I think it's it just goes to show maybe how uh, how locked in Garrett's going to be for this, right? I mean, a lot of guys you go three years without a win. Um, you know, there's there's no guarantee that a you'll ever win if you make it to this level and then B, if you get a win, if it's ever going to happen again. Right. And I think I'll agree with you there that, you know, Garrett probably would have wanted to race that one out to the end against Casey against the Graham probably didn't want the contact, but I'll tell you what, he nailed the final restart, right? He got out ahead of where all the chaos was, um, was able to get to the checkered flag with a relative ease. And, uh, I think uh, it shows that he wants more. He's not just content with one win. He knows that now their, their storyline for their year goes from trying to be a top 20 team to try to be a championship team. And I think that changes his mentality. And I think he knew it in the moment. And, uh, I think it's going to be uh, exciting to look at what that team's going to do and what the Wood brothers can do with that 21 Ford going forward. All right, so looking at points, I finally see enascar.com has updated the standings. Uh, I went and looked, and boom, there they are. So Femi is leading the points. Nick Ottinger, Steve Wilson, Matt Busa, Casey Kerwin, top five. Uh, any surprises there? I mean, I'm not not blown away by anything, right? I mean, you, you talk about our winners who are going to get the first priority. So it's going to be Ottinger, Conti, Olat, Wilson, Lowe. And then you got, you know, Busa, you got Kerwin, you got some of these other guys. I mean, uh, I, I can't really say I'm surprised. I'd say that Blake Reynolds is having a really good showing. Um, you know, he's in a great spot. Um, in his Gene Beaver entry, both of the Team Dillon Sports cars, Hearst and Vincent, are top 10 cars in the normal standings. That's big for them. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever seen that out of the Team Dillon entries. Um, you know, Graham Boland takes a big hit. Bobby Zelensky take a big hit. They both drop five spots in the points respectively after the contact. I'm not going to say it puts him in must-win territory, but Boland's out of the playoffs now. Zelensky down to 17th. 
Um, but also, you know, I, I still think the biggest surprises are, you know, Logan Clampett, um, thirty fifth, just rotten luck. Uh, Ryan Luza, twenty sixth. Ray Alfala, twenty seventh. Who we thought maybe going to this new car uh, would reignite the Ray Alfala of old that we know is still there. Because remember when he got sent down uh, back to the road to pro ladder, won a championship to requalify for the Coke Series. So uh, you know, there's there's a couple names that I'm surprised of how good they're doing, how bad they're doing, but nothing too off the wall. Uh, as we're seven down and seven to go on the road to the playoffs. All right, it's been a great season so far. Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming on. Tell us uh, what's happening uh, next time, I presume two weeks from now. Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks' time, and uh, this is typically where I, I talk about the longest race of the year, right? I know um, doing some of the other broadcasts I stuff do with the uh, Full Throttle Real Sim Racing Cup Series on Race Spot TV, we're getting ready for a Charlotte race that's 300 miles, right? I mean, uh, that used to be one of the longest Coke races of the year. It is at Charlotte, but it ain't that long. It's only going to be a 100-lap affair uh, in NASCAR's backyard Tuesday, May the 24th, and I will say it's going to be uh, a double dose of e-nascar action coming up because then no off week so charlotte on the 24th and then gateway on the 31st going to be a fun way to end the month of may all right evan uh, sounds like a plan um excited for charlotte and hey we'll talk after that race sounds good guys enjoy the show kick off the topics with the april top 10 got to give this one a look and uh most of them are your typical either last lap passes or very close finishes the first one was a neat uh in mx3 yeah mx race where the i think fuel might have been a factor but they finished they came across the line basically three wide uh the most notable one was a uh i think it was an 87 car at one of the big tracks he got turned ish but basically dirt tracked all the way across the track and he lost a lot of spots but he he kept a, the car alive that was pretty impressive car control and that was really like cool because th that was at talladega in the 87s it wasn't just the leader who was sideways there was about four or five who got sideways at just uh, you know almost in the same spin and uh none of them turned to the point where a caution came out or any anybody got any serious damage it was pretty impressive i really like the 87s at the indy car in indy at the indy 500 uh track and there's three wide for the win and the guy who gets to the inside to make it three wide off the final corner is a guy who made it so man it doesn't pay to be on the outside that might be something we need to remember for this weekend yeah, there were there was a couple cars in there that are not your typical cars you would see races in they had a, a highlight from the radicals which is really cool um they had a, a late model dirt uh cars that were that were really getting at it uh for a real close three-way finish um and i liked i liked the gt3 uh it was a la la three-way last lap battle at long beach which is such a tight narrow track with no runoff space or anything and those those guys are really impressive how well they they raced each other and their car control and their and their knowledge of that track you mentioned some of the cars you don't usually see there was a spec racer league that that made it in there as well in rallycross at iowa you know side by side going all the way around that track 
I completely forgot about rally cross. And now that I have the new wheel, I'm like, man, I got to try, you know, rally cross. I, I forgot about the dirt trucks. I mean, I need to try that with the new wheel and see what I think. All right, Brian, did you, did you... That they didn't... go ahead? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Did you notice, did you notice that they weren't numbered this, this time, you know, they didn't have the 10, nine, eight. It was just, it was just one after the next. Oh, no winner. Like, right. Yeah, it wasn't set up like that this time. It was pretty much just 10 without any uh, number assignments to them. I wonder if that's on probably purpose. the hardest part. Yeah, I wonder if that's on yeah, purpose. It's on purpose because he doesn't want to make the choice, probably. He's like, ah, who's going to be first? All right, I'll toss it to you now. It uh, looks like we've got, uh, is it the the Tag Hoyer series? Is that what's we're, what we're covering here next, uh, Brian? Yeah, Porsche Tag Hoyer series. Um, it was week um, eight at the Nürburgring. Um, so, uh, you know, fantastic track. These guys are always so impressive how well they can race this track and, and know all the corners and, and keep it straight. Well, um, so uh, first of all, the sprint race was a fantastic finish with uh, Steve Job uh, narrow, narrowly taking uh, out uh, Diego Diego Pinto, who's uh, the current series uh, points leader. Uh, really, really good race at the end. That was the sprint race that Steve jo uh, or uh, Sebastian Job won. Um, and it was it was a excellent, it was a really good highlight because those cars are going down that really long straight, getting back to the start finish line, and you're just a sitting duck if you're in the lead because of way as how well these cars draft up against each other, and and you know it's not like NASCAR where you can block the hell out of somebody in um, in these cars. It's typically not as accepted as it is in NASCAR. So um, yeah, you're just a sitting duck. Uh, Diego had a had a, at least a few car lengths lead going down that straightaway, and the Steve or Sebastian job, and uh, they just ran him right down and was able to make the pass on the last turn or so. So uh, really good finish in the sprint race. Um, the Sebastian job did not have quite that good a look in the main feature. He actually finished two laps down and and way out of the points in the feature race. But Charlie Collins actually takes the win in that race. So. Uh, uh, he takes the win at Nurburgring. Uh, Max Benecke was second, and Diego Pinto finished third, and uh, just collecting points um, like crazy uh, with these last two weeks winding down. Um, he's just been so consistent. Um, he, I, don't, I don't know if he's the fastest guy. He doesn't have, have the most amount of wins or anything, but he's just so consistent, always getting in high point totals. Um, he, he actually had the most points of this week, you know, with his second and third place finish in the sprint and then the final. So uh, with uh, two laps, two races remaining in the series, uh, Diego, Diego, he has a, uh, well, I wouldn't say a super comfortable, a 38 point uh, lead going into the last uh, two weeks. Um, so with second place being, second place being uh, Kevin Ellis Jr. Third and Zach Campbell in the points. So, um, Sebastian Job dropped the fourth after the after the bad finish he had in the uh, feature race. Um, so two races left. We have uh, Le Mans is the next, and then it's going to wrap up at Monza. So uh, two really good tracks to finish up this series. Um, Diego Pinto definitely has a, a solid lead, not insurmountable by any chance. You know, one bad one bad turn, one bad wreck, and you know you can be out of points completely in this series. So nothing's over till it's over. But uh, he does have a little bit of a comfortable leap going into the last two weeks. Oh, 
I think my smart devices have been listening to the podcast and Brian talk about this series because I've been marketed or I've seen of advertisement for the um, Porsche Tag Heuer watch. And they actually have made a specific watch for sale to celebrate, I guess, this series or that relationship, I guess. And yes. uh, boy, it was a cool $7,000 for the watch. Very they'll nice. give you a ten. The, they'll give you a ten percent discount if you say their name right. Okay. That's a ten percent uh, premium price. It's just if you say tag Hoover, you get you have to pay ten ten percent extra. I think I think the the winner of the series gets one of those watches. I believe I know they get a tag Hoyer watch, but um, I'm not sure if it's the one that they're advertising or not. Well, that would be something. That'd be quite a prize, wouldn't it? All right, we're going to toss the next one to our, our current professor of history, Tony Gross. Tell us about <laughs> the entire history of iRacing. All right, boys. Settle in. This is going to take a bit. We, we got some time. Um, Robin Truswell, uh, he, he did this. He gets all the credit. Um, I, he says he's done a poster too like this in the past, but they'd always been snippets and uh, – just little bits and pieces. So um, he went down and like right, right from the very start until present day um, and just picks out the highlights. Uh, it's quite a write up that this fella's done uh, pretty impressive. When I first saw this a couple days ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to get back to this and I want to go through it all. And, and uh, well, by golly, life got to me, and it's it's quite the novel. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, he's gone into you know some quite good detail, and the the one part that really uh, it, it was easy to see, it stands out really well, is um, the uh, member count for every year since uh, two thousand and six. Um, before, you know, two years before it was even a thing, um, they, they had uh, four members on the system. And then uh, to watch when uh, COVID hit, um, I, we, we knew the number was big. I don't know if we ever did we ever get an actual total, um, but it's it's right here. Like we they, they more than doubled their number, which um, I knew they did really well. But I don't know if I realize they did quite that well. Yeah, it's pretty huge. And um, this particular stat we're looking at is how many people ran at least one race, pretty much. Okay, so this is how they got that. Because mm-hmm. it's interesting if you go look at the other one, it just it, it just tells you what kind of exponential growth it has been. Uh, there's one that says how many accounts there are. And I'm scrolling. Uh on like uh, 2007, right? It was a hundred members. By 2012, it was a hundred thousand, and it's now a quarter of, or three quarters of a million actual accounts. Now they're not all active, but that's still just uh, kind of mind blowing. Oh, and, and the the commenters in the forum post, they there's a lot of good material there too. I mean, if you want to know a history, uh, we've seen these kind of things before. Obviously, uh, this is. A new one that came up this week, but uh, pretty cool. I suggest this uh, uh, original poster actually write a book and publish it with uh, using all these other comments. 
you could, you could actually probably monetize it there though, a little bit. He'll just send me a little bit of a commission since it was my idea. They ought to may have put together like a, you know, like a little 10, 15 minute uh, telling of this story. Sim movie, the documentary, you know, the documentary kind of thing. That'd be cool. David Kamer, the inside story. All right. Well, I will documentary the uh, upcoming season three road series updates. The first thing we have, I'm going to roll today. The first thing we have is um, they're renaming the more series to the IMSA pilot challenge. Um, and also the IMSA pilot challenge is basically replacing M- more. Um, and they're also going to split the GT fours and touring cars into separate open series at, at the sea level. And here's the biggie that we were wondering if it was going to happen. Yes, it is. The global endurance series is re- will be replacing the six-hour endurance series with with the Le Mans level cars, and re- it to be replaced with the twenty-four hour series, so that they essentially they can run a twenty-four hour race somewhere in France. But I think this is fun because some of these other races have twenty-four hour races that are not traditional, and that that's pretty interesting too. So hopefully we. Can- uh, I'll get to run quite a few of these uh, over the summer. They have also updated the start times of the LMPT prototypes uh, that run the fixed to run opposite the hours of the IMSA series. So you can jump in the LMP2 fixed, and then uh, if something – well, it's only a 45-minute race, so you can you can basically log right out and jump right over to the, to the IMSA race afterwards. So for Lamar – I think I remember they moved. We had to do it in August for some reason. But do you think we're going to do it in you know in June when the real event happens, or do you think it'll be in August? Uh, any any answer is just a guess, right? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, so I guess we'll wait for the schedule when season three comes out. Then we'll know. But I would say, why wouldn't they do it in June? You know, um, traditionally we always try to do these things around the same time. Um, I think maybe part of the reason they separated it, you know, to do it two months later was to try to not, you know, say, oh, hey, that's the 24-hour Lamar, you know, or whatever. Um, so maybe they'll do that again. I don't know. Yeah, the Majors 24 is also happening. So these uh, – the lawyers have pretty much – they didn't they didn't get any letters from last year. So it, it should work the same as it did last year. Uh they own wow. the they own the name of that one particular race, but they don't. That doesn't mean that we don't. It doesn't mean we lose the rights to the track. It, it, it would appear. Right, you don't you know. lose the right to the track, and you don't lose the right to a twenty four hour race in general. Well, you know, I think that motorsport company they have enough lawyer problems already. So, well, Mike, um, you're the visual guy, I think. In the in the team, so why don't you take this next one about a a bush in the air is like a bush in the hand. <laughs> All right, yeah. So we have a forum post where um, a list uh, a user put up a, a picture at a Nurburgring of a floating bush, and it's like way off the ground. I would say maybe thirty feet up or something, uh, 25, 30 feet up in the air, just sitting there. Um, but you can see it from the track. He points it out in a couple different shots. Uh, he, he shows a close up of it. And of course they're going to get it fixed. These are more rare and rare. We used to see little issues. Um, you know, I, back in the day, almost every week there would be a post about something, you know, but nowadays it's pretty rare actually. So I guess if they have a bush at the uh, entrance to the garage, uh, that would be a 
another bush out of place, right? All right. Well, let's go backwards. How about a nice rear end, David? Yeah, uh, it's a post for my racing official. It's so it's a hint to a new car. Uh, you, did you read the comments? Uh, we we already have the BMW, right? So it might be the Merc GT4 was one of the guesses I saw in our chat. I had seen somebody said BMW, but then you said that we already had that car, so I don't know. Yeah, Mercedes, you know, for AMG GT4 seems like the consensus from most of the people in the comments. So they show the back of the car, and you just from the angle, you know, you it's a close up, so you really can't tell, you know, what car it is. There's lots of edges and different lines to it, so yeah, it's some kind of car. You can't really see a diffuser, which is a good hint that it might not be one of the higher end GT cars. True. And you, the part in the middle almost looks like, you know, where you would put like a license plate or something like that. Well, we will find out. Um, Brian, I know you've been really busy at work lately. Are you feeling a little burned out? Yeah, a little bit. But um, apparently uh, I'm not burned out on iRacing because I haven't been on enough to really get burned out. But um, this came through a YouTube video, and uh, it's titled, uh, Don't Do It. And it's ways to avoid uh, iRacing burnout. The The crux of his... Um, of what he says in this is if you're chasing, if you're chasing I rating and it becomes a spiral where, you know, you start eliminating yourself from races, not getting as many starts as you like, because you're so worried about uh, losing I rating that um, you're not enjoying your races as much. You're not participating as much because, you know, you know, I've, I, I know I've done this before where I was like, man, I don't want to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to drop so much I rating getting in this race or something like that. Uh, you wind up losing your perspective on, on why, why we do this, you know, where the fun actually comes from, you know, yeah. it, it might not necessarily be from, farming i rating or, or trying to trying to max out your your ratings it's it's enjoying enjoying the races that are that are available to you and having fun and um and just enjoying competition um if you get too so focused on i rating as um this this uh video points out you kind of uh you get stuck into a trap where where you know you you skip races you get you get into a race and you lose a little bit and, um, you know, start getting down on yourself and it starts to burn you out mentally after a while. So, uh, that's basically the crux of, of what he went to, went through. And unless you're needing to farm I rating because you're going truly putting in the effort for road to pro, or you're really focused on getting that division one division championship, you know, something along those lines where the I rating really counts as to, to what you're, uh, how many points you're getting it doesn't really mean that much in fact sometimes the slide if sometimes if you get into a slump with the i rating it can put you down into a lower split where you you turn around and pull off a win or something like that or as if if you're always you know racing garrett mains um you have to sit there and remind yourself you're racing garrett mains you you have no chance so, uh, yeah, don't worry about the AI rating for the most part, unless you're doing one of those things. And quite frankly, the guy, a lot of those guys who are at that level, um, unless they're Garrett Maines, who nobody, you know, that running the official races has a chance against most of the other guys, they, um, they'll run a second account 
so that they can take one account and focus on farming the I rating up, keeping it high, and have all their fun on the other account, or they'll go run run in other disciplines. One of the t- one of the two. No, if you're not doing the whole second account thing that you just described, I mean, you got to let it go, you know. And I, I've I'll tell my personal experience. I mean, a, a year ago, I pretty much tried some different cars, the uh, Sprint car pavement and the 87 car in official for two seasons in a row and basically lost a thousand I rating. Um, and I really haven't gained it back to be honest, but I'm not concerned about it. Um, and it doesn't change how I race or anything. And, and I don't watch it, you know, from, I don't even watch it from race to race. I mean, a lot of people will jump into those results and see how many I rating they gained or lost. I don't even bother anymore. I really don't. You know, I'll, I'll spot check it once in a while and kind of see where it's trending. But, uh, but, but like David said, you can't let it dictate if you're racing or not. You can just do your races. Who cares where the I rating goes up or down? It'll land where it's supposed to land. And the same with the safety rating. I mean, the people that worry about that crap don't. I mean, you're not going to lose your license unless you're just freaking horrible. Now, this guy might be suffering from, uh, burnout dealing with back markers uh tony oh boy yeah we've we've all uh run into this um heck i'm sure we've we've you know been this guy every now and again now this uh video is um you know roadside it's you know very similar but at the same time it's it's a little different on oval um basically uh you know you got a guy you know uh, racing for quote unquote position, but he's, you know, laps down and then he has zero chance of, you know, bettering his position, but he's, you know, slowing down guys that are, that are, you know, racing, um, you know, they're on the lead lap and, um, we've been there. We've, we've seen these guys. Um, it happened to me a in a Darlington race this, just last week. It wasn't an NIS, but it was an, it was an open and a guy just, uh, he had fresher tires because of the way all the tire strategies laid out, but we were in the literally on the white flag lap and um, he dives in in turn one when I'm literally setting up a run to make a pass for a position on the lead lap. And this guy's two laps down and he, he dives in, isn't able to hold it down and knocks me into the wall. I didn't lose any positions, but I lost my shot at, at, gaining the position that I almost had set up. So yeah, it happens all the time. And that one, it, because he just dove in and, and slid up a little, there's, there's nothing I racing will call it, but a, a racing incident. So it, there's not a whole lot you can do besides uh, mark him down and try to remember his name later. Well, yeah, that's just it. Now, you know, this guy's like, uh, you know, I racing needs to stop these back markers, but um, you know, how? Like uh, <laughs> I, you know, in, in our oval racing, a lot of the time, like you're, you know, you could still be seven, eight laps down, and you're still fighting for position. Um, I mean, you don't do that stuff on the last lap, or you know, five, ten to go. You're not racing for nothing at that point. But um, yeah, I, I've been multiple laps down, and you know, racing three or four guys. Um, I I don't know enough about road to to comment on that side of things, but I don't see how iRacing could do anything. It's just kind of part of part of it. It just sucks when you get bit. 
there's not a whole lot they can do. There is that is a tradition in F one that if you are blue flagged in F one, you, you got to get out of the way. Uh, you actually have to make an effort to let the leaders go. Um, that's not really so much of a tradition in sports car or it's definitely NASCAR. But there's still some courtesy involved with lap cars, um, generally because you don't want to be that guy who just screwed over a lead lapper's race when the tables are turned. Because how yeah, how do blue, I go ahead? I was going to say the blue car, the blue uh, flag in NASCAR is kind of a joke because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, well, and but how do you get uh, payback for the most? How do you really get proper payback uh, without getting suspended in an in oval race? Hold them up. You hold them up, up when you're the right. lap car, right? So, um, but if you do that, you're going to expect it probably in return. So this guy, Gamer Muscle, I mean, he was he was pissed. I mean, he was like, "Man, this guy ruined my race." You know, I was racing with this guy, and he got into the mix and messed us up, and. And ruined our race basically and you know and he's like yeah i racing needs to do something well his answer to this is they need moderators uh, we need in-person moderators in this in these races and i know gamer muscle is a very popular youtuber that does sim racing but man i think he's really out of touch thinking that that's even a possibility i mean there's just nobody to do it not exactly they have moderators it's called leagues there you go admins and leagues are moderators right yeah but yeah an official i mean you 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 can't expect to have moderation in a in an official race not 24 hours a day not with races going on every hour unless you want to start paying a a subscription fee monthly of about 50 bucks a month well i definitely feel for this guy i understand his frustration is man it does suck um that thing is just like, hey, don't be that guy, you know. Don't don't be a dick. Just, you know, you got the leaders coming. You don't have a you don't have a chance. You know, like you're not trying to fight to stay on the lead lap. Get out of the way. Let them go. It ain't gonna hurt you. Even if you know another guy like passes you, just you know you can get in back once the leaders get by you and let them have their race. Just a little courtesy, I guess. Try and try and push for courtesy. However far that goes. Yeah, his point was it. There was going to be no yellow. It's a sprint race, so there's no yellow at all. The guy was wrecked early. He came out after repairs, and obviously is a lap down. And he he's not racing anybody. So, uh, and he's trying to mix it up with the leaders and stuff. So yeah, it was one of those deals. All right. The next thing we've got is hashtag hack. Um, I saw this posted when y'all threw it up there, and was a little bit. Uh, thrown for it. I didn't know how much of it was troll and how much of it was was not. Uh, Brian, did you give this a look over? I I saw the the video on this on this tweet, and um, yeah, I was kind of kind of perplexed what what he was getting at. To be honest with you, I didn't really get the whole background of what he was doing. He was obviously very disparaging towards uh, American stock car racing, um, but I, I don't know what precip. Precipitated this this outburst. I I wasn't oh. sure about that. But he's just I had to research off. this. I had to do research to figure this out um, as well. So apparently, why this is important is this guy's like some major gamer streamer guy that's very famous. Now I don't know who these people are, but apparently other people do. His name is XQC. XQC. And uh, he does other he does other gaming, uh, you know, and streams. 
And so somebody got him to do iRacing. And so apparently iRacing like hooked this guy up, you know, with some content, uh, some help from, you know, professional iRacers, so to speak, um, and whatnot. And, and, and this was his, you know, breakdown after the first race after getting wrecked out. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, so there was a lot of discussion on the Twitter about, you know, you know, what, what's this guy doing? So this guy says it the best. It's uh, Nicholas A. Jones said it was pretty uneventful watching the guy's stream of, of his first race, other than watching him make a Richard of himself. The entire session got chat warned by Nim Cross. Then it looks like they were all muted and then unmuted. Then in the same session, the XQC guy or whatever his name is got DQ'd because of too many incident points, not from Nim directly. So is it confirmed that he got the content or not? Because one of the things that was said in chat is that this guy is is a nonstop troll and does this. It's just the first time he does he's done stuff like this. True. Anybody who's uh, aware of him, apparently this is kind of his shtick, as you would call it. Um, another forum poster said, Patrick McDaniel said, um, with any luck, he will turn people uh, like him away from iRacing. <laughs> I was reading through uh, some of the comments on in the forums, and uh, they were saying that, you know, like, he pretty much destroyed his car, like, turn one or turn two or... Maybe it was in the you know first couple of laps, um, and that he's uh, what like what he does is you know he goes into like just regular games and does whatever he does, and he's not so much into the the sim side of things. You know, it's, it's quite obvious he didn't put any put the proper amount of practice time in. So you know I don't know if he was like expecting you know to go in and you know win right away with just without, you know, any proper amount of practice or, you know, just jumping on me like, oh yeah, I got this. These guys are all, you know, right. Totally. Uh, sounded to me like he just, you know, he just not the right guy for this. Plus, you know, the completely wrong attitude by the video, uh, you know, shows that like that was complete, like 12 year old meltdown. There was one reply from, um, from one guy in the thread on Twitter. It said, not a single person helped him understand iRacing. That is why he lasted 10 minutes and was DQ'd from his first race. Not to mention chat band when Nim Cross came into the session. Uh, there was, And so um, it also says when he went and raced Carb Cup, he was asking the chat how it worked. He had no idea how anything works from qualifying the car to where he started to where the car wasn't moving or why the car wasn't moving on the grid. He didn't even know what the pace lap was. Maybe somebody should have just sent him the links for the, uh, you know, sporting code videos and the beginner videos kind of shows you how iRacing works and that probably would have helped. You should have just given him the NASCAR whole game and told him to do that one, right? That's, that's where he belongs. <laughs> this is also a pretty but, good reason. I mean, this isn't really fast track, but guys sometimes can co come up through the fast track not in the same way and completely still be lost. So I, um, hopefully he's banned, but like you said, it seems like that's just his thing. He does this on, on games and is just trying to come on and troll. And, you know, you can jump into a first person shooter and rely on a basic set of skills, but if you've never done any racing, you, 
it's it's going to be exactly what it was. Should maybe yeah, change the racecraft. Change the name of this topic to hashtag Bubby. Hashtag shortest career ever. <laughs> there you go. Somebody in the Discord tell us who this guy is. I, I mean, when I look him up on the social media, he has millions and millions of followers. So he's somebody. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here and just say who who enjoys watching stuff like this. I I don't. I mean, maybe it's I'm too old to get this or something, not hip enough or something. But I just don't get it. Well, do so you watch Do you watch Mike's t- TikTok videos? <laughs> now I'll digress. Now no. my wife. Me My neither. wife works with a lady. Her son is this guy named Faze Swag. And apparently he's some famous gamer. And she's always sending me social media posts about Faze Swag because she works with her mom, his mom. Faze Clan, I don't know what it is. Well, Mike, we were talking about it just a little bit earlier when we were talking about iRacing Burnout, but iFarm Simulator is our, our next little topic, and it's basically a YouTube video on how to farm IR, if you actually want to do so. This is ironic because it's the same guy who was just telling us how to, don't worry about irating, you know? No, so it's a, di- it's a, a different we- guy, Mike. Oh, is it? was it? a different okay. video. Yeah, he did, the, he did the video on the um, on the back. Markers. No, he didn't do the video back on the right. uh, I rating. I like Mike's story way better. That's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, how to farm I rating? Uh, basically, he was saying do the open wheel uh, entry level cars. You know the the Skip Barber, the IR04. You know the those type of cars. Any, you know, as you move up to about 1500 to 2000, you know, you're going to, you're going to, as long as you can finish the race, you're going to gain I rating, you know, running those cars. And then he said, you know, once you get to 2500 to 3000, you know, you're actually going to have to earn it at that point. And there's really not a way to, to farm it. So uh, what do you guys think as, as far as road farming? I can, uh, I can tell you that uh, he is spot on because um, when I had to get my license up in order to race the Daytona 24, um, all I did was jump in Skip Barber races at a track that I knew well. It was uh, Watkins Glen. I like, did a whole week, just did nothing but those races a bunch of times. I started in the rear of the field. You know, I didn't qualify and um, just stayed out of trouble. And I wasn't even trying to pass cars. I was just trying to stay clean so I'd get my SR up high enough to advance on my license. And I wound up gaining a bunch of IR because I just wasn't getting mixed up in all the trouble that was going on. So, you know, especially when you're, you know, at a beginner type of level or, a, you know, a lower moderate level, that's all you need to do if you really want to farm road IR. That's, that's all you have to do. Now, I don't really farm or anything, but I'm pretty settled. I pretty much have plateaued at eighteen hundred to two thousand, um, and I, I I can often run faster sometimes than guys at certain tracks with with that are up into the two Ks. But usually, the guys that are over two thousand are flat just flat out better than me. So there there is a point where you cap out, maybe even before twenty five hundred, that um, you, your I rating is going to be reflective of your pace, right? 
eventually you're going to get to the skill level where these guys aren't making dumb mistakes on a regular basis and they're fast. And then that's, that's where you're going to start plateauing when you use a strategy like this, but it will take you out of the odds into the thousands, at least, um, you know, well into the, the thousand IRs just by doing this. And I think it works the same way in the oval side as well. If you, once you get over 2,500 or so, you're, you're either going to consistently finish in front of those guys or consistently finish behind those guys. If you're racing enough, if you're barely racing, that can affect your consistency level. But if you're racing enough, the luck balances out and, and you're going to end up about where you end up. And that's the frustration yeah. where, where um, you, where I rating does become a concern. You know, we talked about, you don't really want to necessarily focus all your energy on I rating gaining it because you can burn out real easy. But at the same time, if, if, if your I raise it, if you, if you get into the splits with, um, with guys who are, don't have the kind of car craft or race control or car control, then you wind up just spiraling because you're getting involved in, in, in wrecks and stuff that you had nothing to do with. And then you get bad finishes just because you just happen to be involved in somebody else's messes. So in a way, um, I rating does help out a lot because you, you know, have the opportunity to get in a little bit better, cleaner races. But, um, so that's the only downside about not focusing on I rating, like we talked about before and where farming might, might give you a little bit of help getting into better quality races, not necessarily, um, you know, that you're faster. You're just getting better quality races. And I know, I know it's a time factor for, for some of our guys, but some of our guys here are stuck down in the low thousands or, or, or even mid thousands. Um, I think one of the best places for you to might be in the smaller car, car count, a opens when, when you can get in there with, uh, with basically the top split guys and some of them are going to uh, in, in a lot of places you're going to end up having some bad luck and you can just, you can probably, if you're car 30 in a single split a open and you come in 15th, you're going to rack up some I rating even, even just at 15th, especially if like the, the one car or the five car wrecks out early. So we've talked about in the past, I rating by car, which, you know, would be really cool. Um, but I already do that to, I already have our rating by car because I don't run official in any car besides the A, basically. So whenever you look at my official results for this year, uh, for Oval, I mean, it's all in one car. So I used to run it, you know, 3,000 to 3,500 I rating all day long for years. Um, and I did the same thing. I was, you know, it was I rating by car back then. Now I've run enough, you know, months. It's been several months since I stopped running those other cars that it should be the same again, but I haven't gotten back to where I was. So it's been humbling thinking, am I a worse driver? Am I worse than I used to be? Or maybe there's more drivers in the mix and that naturally forces me down to, you know, because of that. And so I think it's a, it's more of that than me getting worse. I don't think I've gotten worse, but I think there's probably better drivers that have entered the service that have come and gone above me. Possibly. But what, what is the other recommendation that's been, that, that's been given a few times to, to try to help you climb back up and have better results in NIS? Oh, practice, right? Yeah. No, no. A opens. 
which is oh, kind yeah. of which is kind of practice. I, it, I mean, I, my, I would personally recommend to you stop running a or stop running that fixed on Sunday night, and and just run another run a few a. Give games. up that I rating every Sunday night. Yep, <laughs> that's what they fixed. It's turned out to be, but no, I don't worry about it. You know, I I, I look at it and I say, yeah, it's a thousand less than it used to be, but. I don't know. I've had a lot of bad luck, kind of like what you were saying before. Like today, I mean, I got caught up in all kinds of different things and it really wasn't my deal. And and this year has just been like that. Even though I have one win, I probably should have some more, but um, I feel like it's been an unlucky year. So maybe that has something to do with it. So before we move on, um, I just not jotted down a couple of the notes that that, um, Russell made. You know, he focused mostly on road racing. Um, he said, "You just avoid the MX-5s, the GT3s, and the Porsche series, and never ever race in the Ferrari because that's just, just a, just a terrible race." Is, is, is according. Um, some other points he had was um, pick tracks with runoff. So you have, uh, so you're not um, always pinched up against a wall or something like that. You have some room to. For uh, for a mistake to, to to correct yourself without getting into uh, other drivers, he always recommends if you can to take the inside line um, when you're passing cars because you have a less lot less chance of cars uh, you know over overdriving the turn and getting into you and causing issues. Um, so uh, another thing he recommended was um, the IRFFB the the um, force feedback uh, settings to get those right. Uh, for better for better car control, so those were a couple other things that I jotted down in this video that he mentioned. I love the in, always stay to the inside comment because that applies to oval racing too, especially at Kansas. I mean, Kansas, you're on the outside, they wreck. There's nowhere to go. There's no escape route. Boy, if you're to the inside, you know you have a, you have a chance. You know, and the same thing at Charlotte and. Every other track, you know, even Martinsville, you don't want to be on the outside in the corner. Uh, somebody will come up into you and boom, you're in the wall. So uh, staying to the inside, that was the big takeaway for me. Yeah, any of the tracks that that a lot of people like to rim ride, I found myself, I, I enjoy being kind of like uh, Kevin Harvick style where he'll just get down on the bottom no matter what they're doing. Uh, cause they, even at Kansas, a lot of people are set up to run, run the out the high line. And then in fact, their setups are, are so set up for the high line. They can't come down low without getting loose. Um, and I was running in a set that, that could get down there. And so if you get a high line set, but you can keep up with them on the inside, then you're basically kind of free because nobody's running your line. So kind of one of the themes of the night has been burnout and grind and, and farming I rating and just uh, the debt, you know, the dedication that it might take to get, get to that top. Uh, and then the, the, I guess the next news topic we're going to hit is driven and it's um, a tweet from I racing and it's uh, only a handful of sim racers can call themselves world champions. And Nick Ottinger is one of them. And, and it's got a link to a, six minute basically driver profile on their on their page about nick yeah we've seen the driver profile uh, earlier this year it was femi olat uh now it's nick ottinger and um he talks about his history a little bit he had a heart surgery um and after that he you know was kind of confined to the house he couldn't go play sports and with his friends and stuff so that's what got him going on sim racing and um 
you know, he talked about watching NASCAR with his dad on Sunday afternoons and getting the hook, you know, the racing bug, so to speak. And, uh, it's pretty neat to, you know, see, uh, hear a little bit about his history and get to know Nick. Yeah. A couple of neat little kind of screen grabs from the video is you can see where he was playing football, probably either peewee that might be junior high age. Um, and then also towards the end of the video, I, I really like his, uh, his display he's got his monster trophy and which and and his cup trophy right or from the coke win series win and as well as 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 well as a couple of uh custom made cars die cast of his cars yeah and he talks about you know williams uh william byron and you know being on a team with him and and you know how they set up for that and stuff It it was pretty cool I wonder if he's a Logano fan. Yeah, um, she caught this video. It they they do they present this video in the pre-race before the um, the YouTube showing of the Kansas race. So in the pre-race section, um, when they're doing all their stuff, they had that video. So I watched it. So uh, I think they've been doing that in all the pre-race shows whenever they have one of these driver profile things. All right, we're going to jump to events, and we just have two. Two on the list so far. I know we got the Majors 24 coming up soon. We'll get more information on that next time. Uh, but essentially, we're going to have the the fixed Indy races, Indy 500s this weekend, and the open uh, Indy 500 races the following weekend, right? Yes. And um, fixed is this weekend. I already qualified. Uh, I know Tony Rochette did as well. We're going to run tomorrow night, uh, Friday. Uh, we're going to miss NIS. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bummed that I could only get a, a top 15 at Kansas for the week, but, uh, I'm not going to run, you know, I was thinking about skipping the Indy 500 to run Kansas again to try to get a better result, but Kansas has been a, just a shit show to be honest. And so, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip it and run the Indy 500. I got the new wheel too. So that's, that's part of my decision. I want to definitely break in that new wheel, um, in its first official race. Uh, to be the Indy 500. So I'm definitely going to run it Friday night. Uh, I think I got everything mapped on my uh, wheel as far as the buttons and the weight jacker and different things. So I think I'm ready, uh, but we'll see. But one thing about one note about the fixed is the setup that they had presented to us was not great, according to the posters and the forums. Uh, it was not bad if you were by yourself, but in traffic, it was bad. Like there was no way to pass at all and, and so forth. So I heard some bad things about it in the forums and I racing actually heard, we have a post, um, this week from Greg West. He said, we have submitted an updated race set for this event with small changes to the aero platform and a new spring package. The new fixed race set keeps the rear of the car in a better window. Even when the aero load decreases, like when following another car. With the, the changes, the following car is now a, a bit less compressed when behind cars and improved racing throughout the run. These changes do not mitigate aero wash, but should make for an overall better racing experience, especially in pack. And sure enough, uh, after that, the forum posters have obviously tried it and uh, have said very good things about the set and that it is going to be racy. And uh, as you probably know, the qualifying is the four lap av uh, best la average lap speed and the splits are done by speed. Uh, and you have to complete all four laps. You get a one X on lap three and you have to pick a different qualifying session. 
and NIS is off next week. So I pretty good money. A lot more of us will be doing the Indie Open the following week. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget our new website, the iRacersLounge.com. I guess it's not new anymore. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of everything we talk about is listed there visually for you guys to see. It's formatted for cell phones. So um, it makes it real easy for you to uh, take a look at. Don't forget our Discord chat. Um, You guys would get all kinds of uh, neat information over there that you don't get on the show. So get involved. And we are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right. It uh, looks like it's fantasy time. Hit it, Groves. Well, well, well. Uh, Mr. McRubbin showing us all up, showing us how to get it done at Darlington. Yeah, I finally began to the top ten, I believe. It might have been my second time, but, you know, it was pretty much sheer, sheer luck. <laughs> but I'll take it. Um, but, man, how about, uh, how about the frozen cactus this week and overall? Well, yeah, yeah. Greg takes uh, top spot overall. Um, and he, yeah, and he got himself a top five at Darlington. Um, better point out too, uh, Bobby, second place for Darlington. Um, I don't know what y'all are picking. Huh? <laughs> I got all the guys that got into the wall and spun out and uh, took their lumps and Ooh, I was dead last for the week. Wow, that's bad. Did you Did do you? your picks? I must not have. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing because uh, I am dead last. The uh, the radio guys were definitely making a big point of the fact that all of the guys that were out of the race were were pretty big names. True, yeah, that, that's a good point. This uh, took some definitely took some hits. Uh, that race. I know I did. I know a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people did, but for the ones that, uh, you know, get stomped on, there's other ones that get risen up and, um, are able to take advantage of that. Uh, yeah. If you notice, uh, this week's points winner, um, mud dog at 215, that's a fairly low, uh, point total in a week with, um, it's just to show you how much uh, how volatile this race was as far as people not finishing who would be really good yeah i mean it's kind of the same story week after week it's a little um well at least for me anyways a little uh, just un- unpredictable still trying to you know um 
Well, they had a big one that took out as many cars as your typical Talladega wreck. Yeah, yeah. This this track was super tough this year. Everybody was having problems with it. And I imagine we're probably going to see a lot of the same going into Kansas. Um, so I don't really know what to what to do with that going into it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here. I'm just going to start uh, trying something different. I know what I'm doing is not really working, but uh, what we're seeing on track is has <laughs> been entertaining as hell. So, you know, there's that. that that's That's good much better product this year it's it's been like about eight weeks since they've been on a cookie cutter mile and a half trioval type since atlanta which was a while ago so um maybe maybe look at atlanta results and see see who did well there um to to uh kind of uh project what might be ha might happen at, at kansas this week but it's been so long you know and you have new car you know this car is brand new this year it could have learned a lot since then too so it, it's uh I, I still think uh i don't feel like we've gotten a consistent um group of guys who finish well week after week that you can really count on to get big points no you're you're absolutely right and um i don't think you know may, maybe once we start hitting some of the tracks for the second time we'll start seeing uh a little bit you know uh, quote unquote normalcy or you know um but you know maybe we're we're seeing a a, a shifting of the times and we're going to start seeing a lot more um guys that we don't normally see up front running up front like they have been so i mean i'm just gonna have to like maybe just uh change the whole the whole way way we think about or at least the way i think about uh these races and how i think they're gonna unfold well, you know, you like they. We like to listen to particularly the Dirty Mo podcasts and and reference stuff like that when it relates to what we're talking about. And I think it does here. If you listen to his guest this week, it was one of the major. Uh, it was a four time IndyCar winner, right? And um, I remember some point in the conversation they were specifically talking how how things did come a lot closer when IndyCar went to the composite bodies, and now we're on the composite bodies as well. And what that's essentially doing it, it it is taking out some of that gray area back from the back from the times when when the sport was about innovation you know more than more than uh, having the cars on an equal ground and putting it more in the driver's hands and this has done that um, and that's basically what you see with track houses right? is they're getting they're getting the same pieces that that RCR is getting right and and Hendrick and all they got to do is figure out how to put them together instead of figuring out how to build them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there, there's been a lot of talk about that, you know, over the last few weeks on, and all the different podcasts. Uh, it's, it's very much a good thing uh, for what we're seeing. I, I I'm loving it. Um, but it's killing my, my fantasy, like just murdering it. Like, come on. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Well, I normally don't transition into hardware, but it sounds, Tony, like you might be a little thunderstruck this season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what uh, rig this is, but, man, like, if you're going to put together, like, a quick, uh, um, oh, what do they call these type of videos? Uh, time lapse, I guess. Uh, video that 
he's building up a, a rig. It's it's Mike's favorite color, that lime green. Um, it's set to thunderstruck. Um, he's like, you watch this, you're like, damn, I want to go and blow thousands of dollars so I can build a rig and listen to some cool tunes. Um, I like how he did this. Now, what a neat looking rig. Yeah, it's pretty good. Copyright question is, can I insert Thunderstruck into the intro of the of the segment as long as it's small enough of a cut? Yeah. Maybe 10 oh, yeah. seconds or less. <laughs> is it 15 seconds? Isn't it 15 seconds you can cut? I think it's 10, but I don't know. Okay. Now, I didn't capture the link, but it's mysim.ca. And if you go to that website, you'll actually be able to purchase this rig. So this is the creator of the rig, and... On his website, if you click over to design, he shows like a, a a CAD rotation of it and whatnot. So you can see underneath it and beside it and everything. It's quite a unique design. It, it's, it's tubular, but it's boxy. And the boxy part has, you know, like, a, like a, Tony was saying, the nice bright green, you know, uh, metal. Um, and so it's got a mix of different flavors of design. And so it's pretty neat. The, the wheelbase looks like it moves forward, backwards. Um, the other unique thing is the PC tray is mounted to the left of this unit. It's got a bit of, uh, at least the base of it, it's kind of a bit of like a retro feel to it. Like the kind of like the old school arcade, you know, you go and sit down like a Daytona USA um arcade that, that's what i first got um i don't know maybe i'm out in left field here now they don't list prices so you know what that means <laughs> he has three different flavors the pro the ultimate and the custom and you can inquire about each one but the ultimate one which appears to be the more expensive one um he says includes the custom pc 4K curved monitor solution, direct drive uh, wheelbase, um, pedals, OMP seat, and the handmade MySim chassis. Based on the website, I think he's out of uh, Canada because um, it's um, mysim.ca. All right. On the next topic, we've had a lot of talk, including some of uh, my personal experiences about uh, Windows 11 being just horrible on hardware we actually got permission to to install it at school and i put it on one of the old think centers and hated it because it just ran awful and uh, mike what we have here is um a basically a topic a video about de-bloating windows 11 now i still have windows 10 on my racing computer but i bought a new laptop and it happened to be windows 11 and so i started doing some research about it um the big thing that the tech channels don't like about windows 11 is there's not an easy way to set up a local user i mean there is a way to do it and you can find videos to do it but when you set up windows initially you have to use an msn.com account you have to sign into microsoft and so that kind of rubbed people the wrong way the other thing is they install all kinds of stuff that you'd really probably don't need and uh, some people call it bloatware and different things and so if you want a really clean running machine uh, this basically is a guide on how to do it in fact this guy 
offers a link to a executable program in the description of the video that I actually tried based on his recommendation where it makes it super easy to remove all the bloatware stuff. And you can, they present you a list of check marks of different apps that are installed and you can decide to which ones you want to keep or not keep. And it makes it real simple. And so there's some great tools out there to do this. Now, if I ever end up with windows 11 on my racing computer, I would definitely do this. I would definitely uninstall OneDrive. I would definitely uninstall Cortana and some of these other things that you don't need for iRacing. Because guess what? They're taking up your RAM and your, your computer processor because they're running in the background. Well, I do run Windows 11, and I've not had any issues. Um, but I am still going to check out this link. I'll download it, and yeah, I'll let you guys know how it turned out. I, I didn't remove everything. You know, I removed some of the stuff that was obvious that, like, there was a thing called Microsoft Teams that's always running in the background. And so I got rid of that too. When I was running into the uh, tracking issues with my Oculus, I would just open up Task Manager and close everything that it would let me close, just about that w didn't seem to crash the computer. That's called Cowboy IT. Title idea. Yeah. So Mercedes, you like a Mercedes wheel? Um, yeah, this one's nice looking. It's definitely on the simpler side. Um, it does have the two pedals at a glance. It doesn't look like it's wireless. It looks like you have to plug it in because I can see a little wire hanging down the bottom, right? It's by SimTag. Yeah, SimTag.shop is where you can find it. I think it's overpriced. Man, 1,859 pounds. And uh, Well, I think yeah. the wheel you bought is overpriced too, but okay. I mean, it was nine something, nine hundred something euros. Yeah, you're right. It's not that overpriced. This is double that. And yeah, no fancy lights. <laughs> yeah, all you're paying for is the name brand because it's just a stand. It's kind of it's just your AMG shaped uh, formula wheel. It does have the double clutch on the back and your standard AMG buttons, which is kind of on the light side compared to what you could get if you get one of those uh, standard formula rims right from Podium. Now, what's unique about this is how wide it is, 330 millimeters. And remember, when I was shopping for my wheel, I was deciding between 270 and 300. And this one's 330, so this is definitely uh, wider than other wheels that are out there. So the wider the wheel is, that the slower your response is actually going to be. So I got a conversion to... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Conversion to U.S. dollars is nineteen thirty, so nineteen hundred and thirty U.S. dollars. It's a lot of money for a wheel, and I'll be honest with you, this could be really well constructed and really well made. Um, I'm not. I'm not putting down the construction or the quality. I just don't like the look of it. Of this this wheel, um, it's aesthetically for me, whatever reason, I don't like the look of it. I much, I, I much prefer the, the formula style wheel, like, uh, the, the, uh, butterflies, like, like, um, the Fanatec one has, and you know, the one like Mike has. This seems extremely simple for that price point. Mm -hmm. And I did just happen to check in the description as well, that the dual clutch has to be an option. So it may cost even more if you get that. So I hate to say it, but, uh, we'll tag this one as overpriced, pretty much. You know, I'm a, I'm, I keep looking at the logo, Tony. 
the Mercedes logo. I mean, it has rivets driven right through the logo emblem. I mean, can't you mount it without putting a rivet through it? Yeah, you sure can. Actually, that's kind of funny, Mike, because I was just going to mention how much does this wheel cost you take that that emblem off? Right. A few hundred dollars, maybe? Uh, at least. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something we're missing. Like, I mean, you, you can get like a Gomez wheel with a full LCD screen and everything for $1,325. Right. $1,400. And that's full LCD, uh, you know, double paddles, everything. Okay. So it says, attention, this is no replica, as original as it can get. So are they saying, like, you can take this and just put it right on the car? Maybe you could, but I, I don't have a Mercedes uh, race car to slap it into. So <laughs> I'm not really concerned of mind. <laughs> Once you're doing that, you, you, you probably, like, driving Denny, Denny Hamlin-style rigs, right? I don't know. I mean, if you put this on the table next to other wheels, like you said, the Gomez wheel, the Cube Control wheel, the Asher Control wheel, those are the three big ones. This is not even in the same ballpark just visually, you know? All right, well, Mike, we've got a review of the GT1 Direct Drive, which is a 15 uh, nanometer. Camus, yeah, Camus, and um, Carl Gosling, um, which I've been liking his videos lately, but he's got a review of this wheel. Now, this is the one that has the buttons on the front of the wheelbase, which kind of make it unique from some of the other offerings out there. Um, he likes to point out that the wheelbase is mega. I mean, it's heavy. It's it's bulky it's like the dd1 and the dd2 as far as the stature of it but it's 15 nm um which he said you know is enough to you know for for most people um he said he likes to have a little bit more but um he said it's really smooth like it has a lot of damping on it you know he when he's trying to feel for notchiness in the middle he doesn't really feel it so but on the other hand for the price he, he was pretty critical of the materials flex, like the actual wheel, the, the round wheel that comes with it has flex within the wheel itself. Yeah, you, can, you can find that around minute nine. Yeah. So, um, you know, it is, you get what you pay for is what it, the end result came down to be. You know, if you're, if you're wanting to get a full package for 700 or less, I mean, this might be the right solution for you. Though I just um, I don't see how those buttons on the base could be useful at all. It's, how can you get to them? Reach around. I mean, yeah. Is this uh, this isn't the first time that we've talked about this company, correct? Because I just yeah, I remember these buttons on another base. I wasn't sure if it was the same company or if yeah, same uh, one. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, yeah, it, that that's kind of a standout part of it i don't know maybe if you have like a an f1 style wheel it might be a little easier to hit those buttons but you're right they seem kind of kind of useless boy there are a lot of wheels you know on the market and uh i mean it's interesting i mean just a few years ago you know if you were going direct drive there was very limited choices i mean you're you had the sim experience you know you had the semi cube 
you know, and well, then back- Fanatec came out with their DD. Yeah, back when I got mine, it was just Fanatec and Simicube, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time to be a sim racer, that's for sure. Yeah, because the, the more competition out there, the more the, all the prices are going to get driven down, hopefully, even though we're fighting inflation and supply shortages and stuff. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. My best guess on what they were thinking with those buttons is, hey, this is our way to make our product different. And, uh, you know, somebody who who's not experienced with working with button boxes is probably going to think, ooh, that is so cool. I get, I've got so many more buttons to use. But it's even, even the... Even on my F1 rim, there are some buttons. If they're not able, if they're not reachable when I'm steering, um, they don't get touched in the race. Pretty much, period. I only will only I will only program them for some very rare use cases, like um, change the the delta on the screen or send an automated chat telling a telling a GT car he's stupid, basically. Well, you mentioned about, you know, all these companies, you know, driving the price down. Well, it also drives like innovation too. And, you know, what we kind of see as, you know, maybe a misstep with the buttons on the base, um, who knows what we're going to see down the road. Like that might just lead to something else really cool that we haven't even thought of yet. So, um, yeah, you got to take some, take some chances and stuff to see what, see what will happen. I've been having fun trying to figure out what to map everything to on my wheel. It's got joysticks and it has buttons that it say previous, next, plus, and minus. And so I, my idea with those is, you know, I can go through the black boxes. I can use the joystick and scroll over. I can use the plus or the, the next to go up or down in the list and select and, and I can like modify what's going on in the black boxes with this everything that's on the wheel. Um, so, it, so what was interesting? I was in the Indy 500 qualifying, and I was like, oh, "I'm going to switch over to the you know the other black box and do this and that." And it was so distracting that I was like messing up on track. So I don't know if it's realistic for me to to have all these buttons. Well, real formula drivers and any drivers that are sometimes literally making adjustments to the car every lap there's been places even in in the gt car where i've changed the traction control setting depending on what part of the track i was on i think i remember doing that at daytona one time um and yeah you can use the hat switch which is what you're kind of kind of the joystick thumb joystick thing you it's pretty standard for everybody to use that to work their black box you can you can move up and down to to move within the black box you can use right and left to change black boxes you can press it down like as to count as if you were pressing enter to turn on or off a switch and you can do that yeah, I have just, two of those. just the one thumb yeah yeah the second one joystick i've used for looking left right up and down which i never use either but all right brian you want to hit our last one we've got a serious windows update warning yeah this uh is in a uh, Forbes article that uh, says that microsoft confirms a serious windows 10 windows 11 warning so, uh, yeah, they really uh, want you to get to this next update that's coming out. It uh, it's helps to prevent uh, a new zero-day attack, which is, uh, which is a attack that really gives the hacker, like, uh, these uh, admin privileges that can really access a lot of information and stuff that you do not want hackers to get. So um, I think this, that's what this says, right? Is there a yeah, full coming control. up in this month, right? Yeah, full control. No, it's uh, Tuesday. Uh, 
it was released. Okay. So yeah, but so it, so uh go yeah, Mike, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that it it came out Tuesday, the update, and they uh, announced shortly after Tuesday that everyone should update and so they publicized it. They rarely do that. Um, but this is one of those scenarios because the exploit gives the bad guy full control of your computer, full control. And so, um, and so it was a major security flaw. And so anyway, I wanted to mention it cause we all use windows and, uh, yeah, make sure you're updated. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you have 10 or 11, it, it can hit either one apparently. So, uh, yeah, make sure you're, you're doing these updates as they come in. All right, let's jump to results and talk the NASCAR iRacing Series at Darlington. Tony Rochette, P11, said it was running second and ran out of gas with three laps left. Somehow the auto fuel off was off and shorted me three laps. I ran auto fuel off on everything I run. Um, man, I was running good at the end too. All right, David, David, you got P17. Yeah, I was going to end up about 10th or 11th, but uh, a guy right in front of me just overcorrected and there was no avoiding him. I was still running uh, better in the top split race. I, I had a pretty good week at Darlington. Um, and, and this, I made top split both Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, I think. And um, just on Friday and Sunday. And I, actually, I don't remember what I got Sunday. We'll hit it in a second. But it was just. You know, it just happens all the time because I run mid-pack in the top split. I'm always right in the danger zone, and guy spins right in front of me, and death to the car. Tony Groves, you had death as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, let me preface this whole thing by saying, like, I called my shot. I headed downstairs at about uh, 8.30 Eastern, told Lisa, I'll see you probably in about an hour, and boy oh boy the bottom split didn't let me down i was totaled by 9 30 um some guy just came up took me out he uh he got wrecked out he, but yeah the, he forgot where the brake pedal was um he was moving a lot like there was there was no brake happening at all and yep that was it just killed me okay and greg also wrecked out by taking it easy the first 20 laps Someone didn't like my entry to the corner or where I let off and wrecked me and said I was too slow running in third place. Ouch. Now, I actually missed the race, which is rare. Uh, shortly before the race, I mean, I was registered. I was, you know, preparing maybe five, ten minutes to go. My wife is like, you fixed the back door, right? Because the back door... A little latch thing wore out and it wouldn't latch and I'm like well no I gotta run my race so I'll, I'll fix it after the race well she didn't like that <laughs> she thought that I should fix the door before I run my race so I uh, I unregistered literally a minute or so before the top of the hour I didn't go look to see if I lost 120 I rating or not I hope I did but I purposely didn't look. All right, you Sunday me, open. Woman, check for you, Mike. I'll look it up, bro. All right, there you go. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's the case. All right, Sunday open. David, you uh, wrecked out again. 
Yeah, this one, just uh, on lap 30, a guy still spins, um, and there's no avoiding him. Uh, I, I had a lot of engine, dam engine damage, managed to stay on the lead lap, um, and was running okay. And then uh, we were getting down towards the end, and I just kind of dinged the wall, and it, I, can't, I think it took the damage over the top, and the engine blew up at that point. All right. Sunday fixed, I ran. I wrecked out. Um, it was around lap 20, another restart. I was around 20th. They all wrecked on the back stretch. No caution. Yet I see the cars scattering, so I go way low on the back stretch. And I actually power up on the gas, you know, trying to get around uh, everything. But the guy that was right in front of me, he slows way down. So I lock the brakes to miss him, and I just barely did. And then I, as I cleared him, there was another car sitting there sideways stop, and I T-boned straight in. I just couldn't even miss it at all. I mean, it was like the worst luck. And then he yelled at me because I didn't slow down. He went back and looked at the replay. He saw that I gassed it up, and then he gave me a really hard time because of that. I'm like, dude, do you think I want to wreck? You know, I was trying to get around the mess. You know, I was trying to clear it before cars came in front of me, but obviously it was too late. Okay, so that moves us on to Kansas. Wednesday open. David, P12. Um, so I should just copy and paste what I said earlier. Uh, got hit twice by cars getting loose on my outside. I posted both of them in chat. You know, it's just... I'm passing guys clean on the inside, and I, a lot of people were struggling with loose at Kansas. It was, like you said, a shit show, and I just happened to be underneath them twice when it happened. Uh, I still managed to gain a few spots, though, uh, and on the last run, uh, it, even with being down on the RPM count, and uh, made it back up to 12th. All right. P15, that's going to be my best result for the week. The guy in front of me, uh, lap 8, loses it. Um, I can't even miss, and I pile in. 30 seconds required, 8 minutes optional. Man, I am discouraged at this point of the race. I mean, we, we're not even on lap 10. I got 8 minutes. So I decided to, you know, tough it out. You know, I'm going to get it fixed. So I didn't lose a lap. I got it fixed on all the different cautions that happened. And eventually, I got all 8 minutes uh, fixed. Uh, my RPMs were down, and I just brought it home. I ended up with the top 15. I'm, I'm kind of glad I stuck it out um, to at least get that finish. Tom Dryling, he wrecked out. He was in my split. He actually ran as high as P2. Um, he was in a huge wreck that took out like six to eight cars, and that gained me a bunch of spots. That took me basically from 21st to 15th. So it was a good thing for me, but bad for my teammate. Tyler Williamson, P12, finished with a 4X after a grueling race. Was not a fan of this car on this track, but the team kicked my butt again, helping me through the race, thanks to Fosi. Yeah, Tyler was very discouraged. Um, not a fan of, I guess, the, either the set or the way the set drove or the car drove. Um, you know, super loose, really hard to handle. But, you know, I kept pumping him up and telling him, you know, keep your focus and, and that kind of thing. And uh, he ended up uh, getting it done. Adam, uh, Jocelyn wrecked out. I don't have any details there. I think he spun himself. Self-spin. That's mm -hmm. a theme for him in this car this year. 
Tony Rochette, P17. You ever drive on what seems to be a nice dry road, then all of a sudden you hit something that is way too slick? That's the way Kansas has felt in the Gen 7. Super slick in turn one all week trying to practice no matter what I do. But I survived many wrecks in this one, even in top three at points. But couldn't save myself and just spun and killed a few guys in the process with 50 to go. So today, Thursday open, we tried again. I got wrecked out. <laughs> I was the first caution. I had gotten a hair loose. I actually had it saved. I didn't even touch the wall. But somebody came up out of their lane into my lane into me after that and took me out. The second caution, I dove really low to miss it, but I plowed right in. So much later in the race, I went to slow down to miss uh, a wreck ahead and the thing just came around on me and hooked right into the wall. Tony and I were talking about this, that if you get off the gas in this car, you better be hanging on because this thing will just go around. And that's what happened to me. I just got off the gas and the thing just turned. So I, I uh, tore out of there, wrecked. Uh, Tony Rochette hanged on. Uh, he got a P5. He said slammed and put in the wall lap one. Uh, turn two got damaged, fixed, but still down uh, 13 RPMs. I hung in there, uh, though I had fourth, but a blinker somehow beat me by 0 .005 of a second WTF. Let's talk uh, hosted. I ran a bunch of hosted over the weekend. Um, I'll call out some of these races. Supercars at Michigan, wrecked out. Indy cars at Daytona actually got the pole position for that one. He is at Daytona. What a blast. Street stocks at Thompson. That was fun. Indy cars at Daytona. And then finally the 87s at Dega. Hosted, I ran a Delara Dash at Michigan. It was my first uh, unofficial race with the new wheel, and I ran P4, about 80% on the force feedback. It's pretty crazy. I mean, if you hit the wall, you better let go of the dang wheel. You're going to have a, a repetitive stress injury after the 500. Well, you're right. The force feedback at the Indy 500, when I did qualifying, was really heavy. And I, you're right. I think I am going to turn it down to at least 50% of what I normally run, um, just because it's such a long race. Fast track, David, P12. Yeah, we jumped into practice, and all of the races in the official series had been track temp in the hundreds, hundred and tens. It was seventy. On um, Jeff just does his weather based on what how it is at the real track. So we, if we had done our homework, we would have known that wasn't. But I was, it was blown away how drastically it changed the handling of the car, and I just couldn't get, I couldn't get it to work. I tried all practice to get it to go to handle better, and couldn't. Um, so it just ran slow. Uh, I did finish kind of in a way better and worse than I should have. A lot of others had worse trouble, and the errors that I caught at only ended up getting me caught, costing me a couple of spots. Um, basically, what happened is I'm, I'm running. We had really long runs, and I'm I'm letting the lead lap cars go in P10, and I'm in P10, and a guy just one of the guys passing me, he just comes up too high and turns me. Uh, caution doesn't come out he apologized later and you know everybody makes mistakes um but it only in the net ended up costing me two spots and it actually knocked a couple of other guys that i was competing with out of the race so but it you know um it was a tough race 
uh, that much of a temperature swing definitely changes the handle of the car. Well, you got an apology. I didn't. Um, I got wrecked out. Uh, some guy lost it right in front of me. He was in the center of three and four. It was the weirdest thing. I mean, he was going along and the car all of a sudden was dead sideways in the center of the corner. I don't know how he got himself that way, but I plowed right in. I couldn't miss it. But uh, no apologies. Uh, so we see how that team rolls. Uh, Greg, he got wrecked by himself. He said he had a decent car after testing a different setup, but couldn't avoid hitting the wall. All right. And then we hear from the OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. It was the winner, Josh Robinson at Kansas, Tom Ogle second, and Kevin Silky Strandberg third. All right. And then finally, we got uh, Greg Hectus in the Gitter Done GT3 Series. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. He actually purchased the VIR track five minutes before the race and used qualifying to learn the track. Was P2 until the first pit stop, uh, where I went three laps further than everyone else, which made me not have to pit twice in the race. Duh. On to the last race of the North America tracks for this season, Road Atlanta. So, David, you always say one is better than two. Yeah, I was just... It's kind of funny because in the real race at Darlington, we kept hearing the TV guys say some of those guys that were short pitting were probably going on a two-stop strategy. And I just don't I don't believe it because the fall off at Darlington even wasn't bad enough that you're, you're going to get enough time back in two pit stops versus one pit stop. So it's just never going to – it never pays off. Three can beat two because you've had enough laps – to make all that time back up and, and th the math is just different it's a 60 it's a 50 percent increase instead of a hundred percent increase right so yeah it never works to one will always be two pit stop wise well kudos to greg for realizing that he could make it on one stop and didn't pit when they did and uh yeah shame on those guys for getting beat that way all right final thoughts let's go through it brian mccubbin all right, so um, you know I'm getting everything set back up, and um, I use SRS Sim Racing Studios for my um, the motion stuff on my rig, and uh, I was having problems with it when I set up my new computer. So um, I actually wound up getting a uh, a uh, VIP session they call it, where somebody comes in and helps you out remotely, get everything set up properly. And uh, yeah, they killed it. They they got it all fixed up, ready to go. Um, so I was really really happy with how everything went with those guys. So there, it is a pay service. It's uh, fifty dollars for for that. So it's a little expensive, I know. But for me, not having to spend hours trying to troubleshoot stuff and go through all kinds of documentation on stuff that I half understand, it was worth it. And um, so I really appreciate those guys helping me out and. Uh, the Sim Racing Studio guys did a, a fantastic job helping me. That's so cool that they even offered that. You know, uh, you know, most a lot of companies would tell you to pound sand, you know, but uh, to be able to remote in and help you get that done, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. A lot of companies don't offer that service, or or probably don't even want to think about offering it. But um, yeah, it, it it was it was awesome. They did a great job. They they went through things real quick. 
uh, didn't have any problems and I still had a little time left over. They sent me a couple of different profile options I can try uh, for motion to try to test out. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, I don't think uh, you said that would cost you, what, 50 bucks to get all that done? Yep, 50 bucks. Sounds like that was a pretty damn good deal. That doesn't sound too much at all. I mean, for, for the hassle and headache that I knew it would have brought out if I tried to do it myself, um, it was well worth it to me for sure. Were you able to to learn some things throughout that as well? Um, somewhat, yeah. I mean, I could I could kind of follow the process that he went troubleshoot. Um, would I be able to replicate it by myself? Uh, maybe not, but I might might be able to. It gave me some pointers at least. All right, uh, Tony Groves, final thought. Well, I've got a whole lot this week. Um, I'm staying far away from the Indy 500, uh, fixed and open. Tried that last year, and that didn't work out. I'm not even sure I made five laps. Um, so I'll be doing Kansas tomorrow. And, uh, wow, geez, I don't know what I'll be doing the following week. I'll be looking for some hosted or something, but uh, we'll, try to, we'll try to Kansas deal. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, week off is next week. I don't know what the heck we're going to do. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, <clears throat> Did you forget me, bro? Forgot somebody. David Hall, final What thoughts. am I, chop liver? <laughs> I don't know what to think, Mike. I'm uh, I'm uh, just going to give my final thoughts because it really, it happens. Um, so, and I wouldn't have worried about it if I actually had something to say, but I do have actually something to say. If I was going to throw up a poll uh, or make a list of things that are just annoying as crap on iRacing right now, um, caveat, yes, I love iRacing, but this is one thing that, that really needs to be fixed. They've got to do something about penalty and lap cars having to go and fall behind a car that comes out of the pits when the pace car is at the start-finish line. Because they never are going to get caught up in time. Those cars that come out that late need to be put at the end of the line. And it's just, it, it's time to fix that. It's been a problem forever. And we're constantly either having to delay greens or get penalties because the, the cars never get a chance to catch up. Yeah, so, this week go. I was in a race. They, there were several delayed greens because the people in question were just stopping because they didn't want to get, you know, a flag. Well, if you're a penalty car, it's it will make you go behind the, the wave rounds even. And it's not supposed yeah. to be that way. The wave rounds go behind the penalty car. Right. So is that your final rant? Rant complete. All right. My final thoughts. Uh, wow. My new wheel is awesome. It is everything I expected it to be. I've had one little hiccup, and that's getting the Bluetooth working to actually race race with it via Bluetooth. Um, I haven't figured it out, but I'm not too worried about it because the cable, um, the magnetic cable thing is working like a charm. So I'm not too worried about the Bluetooth. Would I like it to work? Sure. But it's not a deal killer uh, by any means. I ran some F1 AI, F1 AI at Monza and standing starts and boy i have figured out that clutch thing where you hold down both paddles you drop it in first you hit the gas you let go of one paddle and then you slowly let go of the other paddle so that's the procedure i think i've practiced it enough to kind of know how it works and to get the car going pretty darn quick 
So uh, mission number one is accomplished. I, I figured out how to start a race. Now I got to figure out DRS and charging and not charging and all this other stuff because these guys are killing me on the straights. Um, I'm getting blown by at the end of the straights by the AI and I got to figure that part out. So um, got my buttons mapped. I still got to figure out how to use them. And so it's a work in progress, but that's where I'm starting. I'm using the AI. Um, I don't, I'm not going to really go real racing until I'm comfortable. Uh, hoping to meet with Kyle uh, tomorrow um, to review some 3D printing needs I want. Um, we're still looking to print some kind of mount for the bands to put above the triple left and right monitor and do away with the hose. I'm also hoping to have him design a mount for a Philips Hue light. I'm going to hang off the fourth monitor above my head and I'm going to add some other uh, Philips Hue bulbs to the mix. So looking forward to that. Um, got some projects kind of waiting for that and wanting to get that going. So looking forward to it. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.